Welcome to Gridwalk with Cam Van Den Dungan and Carl Reindler. What a massive, massive day in motorsport it is and what a massive day for all Australians. Well done to everybody that tuned into the Bathurst 1000 coverage with Aaron Noonan and the crew. What a day it's been. But for us here at Gridwalk, it is all about Oscar Piastri. Well, it's about Oscar Piastri and Max Verstappen. But before we get into Max Verstappen, let's talk about Oscar Piastri. He takes his maiden race victory in a formula in Formula One in a sprint fashion. It's only the second race victory for McLaren. Admittedly, the other one or in the last eleven years, I should say, the other one being Daniel Ricciardo, another Aussie who won back in twenty twenty one at the Italian Grand Prix. We'll come back and talk a little bit about Oscar, but for all of you Dutch fans out there, three times he is a world champion now, Max Verstappen. Let's play a little bit of Super Max or a bit of Max Max do do. Let's go. Come on, guys. Let's get into the Dutch party. A little bit, a little bit of license there from me. I know I have a Dutch surname. I'm a very a passionate and proud Australian that loves motorsport. But wowee, what a driver, Max Verstappen, Super Max. He joins Fangio, Schumacher, Vettel, and Hamilton in winning three consecutive World Championships. Verstappen is the first driver to win a championship on track on Saturday since Nelson Piquet back in 1983. Hopefully, Carl Reinler will be joining me very shortly with Sean Kelly there in Qatar, in Doha at the moment, joining in the massive party. And we've still got a Grand Prix to go later on uh, tomorrow. Here, oh, sorry, I should say a little later on tonight um, or tomorrow for wherever you're watching around the world. We do go out across SENZ as well as all over SEN in Australia, really enjoying what uh, is coming up for us all. If you'd like to join in the conversation, I remember one 736 736 or you can join in on the 40 Winks Temper text line 0433 It's Gridwalk with thanks to Bedpost. Upgrade your sleep with Bedpost to recharge your mind and body. Hopefully, Carl, Sean, have we got you there in Qatar yet? A couple of other things to look at. Lando Norris, he was in P3. He's finished second in four Grand Prix this year, but this is the first time he's finished third. Admittedly, it was in a sprint race. Uh, George Russell, P4. He finished fourth back in Baku and in the Qatar sprints and eighth in Austria and Belgium sprints. So he's uh, starting to get a little bit closer there, and I'm really enjoying the qualifying battle between both George Russell and Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton coming home P5 in that sprint race. Carlos Sainz P6, uh, one of three drivers to score in every sprint this year. Um, the others being Verstappen and Russell. For Ferrari fans, well, you were there in P6 and P7. Join the conversation. Text us on 0433-98-1116. You're listening to Gridwalk with Cam Van Den Dungan and Carl Reindler. How good is that? I know everyone's getting a bit excited about the Bathurst 1000. I was just excited to hear Aaron Noonan and his call of that great race. And well done to everybody that stuck around and listened on the radio. I know there's quite a few people out there driving all over Australia and New Zealand that loved listening to supercars. This is Gridwalk, though, with thanks to Bedpost. Upgrade your sleep with Bedpost to recharge your mind and body. Join the conversation here because we had a piastri party when he got a podium. Now he is a winner. Carl Reinler. You are in Doha at the moment. How cool to finally say Oscar Piastri is a winner, admittedly, in a sprint race. 
It was pretty special to be here. I had a, a quick chat with Oscar after the race. I think, understandably, everyone wanted a piece of him. Uh, he was he was beaming. Yeah, we we uh, we've seen how cool, calm and collected Oscar's been all season. And it was I got to say it was bloody nice to see him with with this you know this beaming beaming smile. Like he was so just filled with joy with uh, with the result and to have Mark Weber there his manager had a good chat with Mark after the race as well and they're just so stoked with where they're at at the moment it's incredible when you think about just how fast he has progressed this young driver who was a rookie and I know we're going to reiterate what we've said on so many episodes of Gridwalk throughout this year so far but one as a rookie in Formula 3 won the championship one as a rookie in Formula 2 won the championship here he is, rolls in after a year off and wins in a sprint format. He's been on the podium in uh, full race format, but a winner again. It's just incredible. We'll come back to him, though, Carlos. There's a lot to unpack about today and a lot to look forward to with the race still to come. I mean, we're talking about a race winner and we've only just finished what would normally be qualifying day. But, mate, Carl, I played it for all of our audience before. Chris, our producer, has got this queued up. This one's going to be just for you. One more time. He's won his third world championship in a row. It's a super max party. Yo, hey, yo, ho. Super max, max, max. It's come for you, yo, hey. Yeah, mate. Are you getting a part amongst it, mate? Right, How mate. good is Max oh, Verstappen? He is incredible. Yeah, what he what he did is just, uh, I mean, with with so many rounds to spare as well. I think there's technically there's six races still to go, including this evening's. Um, to wrap it up so early, obviously Red Bull won the constructors last weekend at, uh, at or a couple of weekends ago at Suzuka. He's just a he's a machine. He's uh, he's unstoppable at the moment. Saying that, I I, I looked at the performance of uh, of Oscar against Max yesterday. The two of them just drove away from the whole field in that sprint race, even with the three, uh, I think there were three safety cars. So uh, I think Oscar's, uh, he's continuing to get better, but you're right, Max Verstappen, uh, multiple world champion, pretty impressive. So Carl, you're on the ground there in Doha. You've been sitting there at pit exit, watching that race, you were watching the big screens. You and I might've been having a couple of cheeky text messages throughout that sprint race. Give us a sense of how the atmosphere on the deck was for not only Oscar, but to wrap up a world championship with so many races to go. Red Bull must be over the moon. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, I think they weren't 100% sure if it was going to happen in the uh, in the sprint race. I think they were confident they were going to be able to wrap it up this weekend. Max drove, obviously, very cool, calm and collected. Uh you know, chose chose his battles when he was out there. Obviously, it was a fantastic sprint race as well. Um, safety cars kind of got in the mix, but you had some people on a different tyre strategy. You had some that started on the soft tyre that were really quick straight out of the great uh, out of the gate. We had George Russell who overtook uh, uh, Oscar really early on in the race, just trying to capitalise on that uh, that extra grip that he had. But obviously, the medium tyre was the one. But I've I've got Sean here with me, and, and he's actually got some. Uh, some interesting, uh, uh, I don't know, speculations. I'm, I'm going to say about the tyres and, and the usage because we've had a we've had a few dramas with tyres over the weekend. So, Sean, I'll let you chip in here. Yeah, yeah. Good, good evening, everybody. Hello, Cam. How are you doing? Um, yeah, my theory was that um, although th there was no long run pace really because FP1 was very dusty. It was a day session. They didn't have any long run pace to look at because you know that's the only practice session. So. Uh, they probably went into it thinking, 
Well, Pirelli have said we might end up with a three-stopper, at least a multiple pit-stop race mandated because of the, the tyre situation after Friday. Therefore, um, there's only 12 sets of tyres for the weekend. There's one less than a normal weekend. So they, some of them probably thought, well, let's start the sprint on our remaining set of soft tyres because we're not planning to use that in the Grand Prix, which is the long-format race, and let's keep our mediums and hard tyres aside because we're going to be making multiple pit stops in this Grand Prix. Therefore... If you started on the soft tire, you just dump that uh, and then, you know, you save your good tires for the Grand Prix. I don't think that they expected, judging from the quotes from the drivers afterwards, I don't think they expected that tire to go off quite so fast. But um, it does mean that there's a, a, a mild, there was a mild tactical advantage in the Grand Prix by starting the sprint on your soft tires. Yeah, and we saw that, didn't we, with uh, with the guys blasting past Oscar Piastri um, early on in that race, and it came back to him there. It makes a lot of sense what you're talking about. George Russell will be starting second on the grid for the Grand Prix later this evening or tomorrow, depending on where you are in the world listening into uh, Grid Walk today. So there's there's a lot to unfold there. We'll talk a bit more about tyres later on because we're going to have Michael Smith from Motorsport Australia join us a little later on for the stewards' room, and we might unpack what's going on there. And there's also, for me, a little bit of Pirelli in you know DRS our drama rumor social so we'll we'll come back to that but boys I, I'm going to stay on this uh, this point right now um, from the numbers Sean and we've got you there right now thank you Mr Virtual Statman who's in person in Doha but Sean Max where he's at in his career the numbers he's racking up from a stats perspective he is on track to be one of our greats in the future of this sport. He already is one of the greats, um, you know, to be a triple world champion at all. I mean, you're joining names like Senna, you know, like names like PK, uh, his, his prospective father-in-law, of course. Um, and he's to win three in a row. That's, that's, a, it's, that's a, a, you know, a room occupied by Fangio and Michael Schumacher and Lewis Hamilton. So we're already, we can already say Max Verstappen, if he stopped today, if he decided I'm, not, I'm retiring today, I'm not even going to race today. He, he would already be one of the all-time greats. But also we're seeing a, a concentration of success in such a short period of time that we've never seen before in Formula One. The fact that he's won uh, almost 30 Grand Prix uh, in the last two seasons. Now, it used to be that, uh, you know, Jackie Stewart used to hold the all-time record for race victories. It was 27. In, a, in an entire career, it was 27 wins. Well, Max Verstappen has won more than that since the start of last season which is an astonishing statistic. Um, so to see someone dominate um, over the course of a couple of seasons like this, that really is rewriting the record books. We've seen eras, we've seen Hamilton era, Schumacher era, and so on, but not to, to this extent where they've been so close to being perfect. If Were it not for Singapore, um, Red Bull would be perfect this year. And I dare say in the years ahead, they might think to themselves, oh, we've got to do one better. You know, it's not good enough to win every race, but one, we need the whole lot. Yeah, so for those of you listening around Australia and New Zealand at the moment, if you sound a little bit of a delay out there, the two boys are joining us from Doha. One of the benefits of Gridwalk, with thanks to Bedpost, is that we have our team on the deck at so many Grand Prix, and we really appreciate having Sean, virtual stat man, joining us. And if there's a little bit of a distance to me, I'm in Los Angeles just to give us a nice little uh, international flavour here. But I'm going to talk to Carl, and I'm also going to talk to Sean right now about the battle we talked about on our last episode last week, and that was the battle between Mercedes and Ferrari. Looking ahead, looking um, previously to qualifying, but looking ahead to the race, it looks like Mercedes are throwing everything in to guarantee second in the constructors this year. Ferrari slightly dropping away. Admittedly, Carlos Sainz missing Q3 would have been a surprise for them. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think we were skeptical last week when we spoke about this, whether Mercedes were focusing on 2024 or if they're going to throw the kitchen sink at, at the end of this year. And and it's clear like that their performance has just been a, a, you know sensational. Um, I saw George uh, congratulated him after uh, his qualifying effort yesterday, and he was he was pumped. Like he's got so much confidence at the moment. He's had a bit of a rocky uh, rocky season. Obviously, the big mistake at uh, at Singapore uh, three weeks ago was um, he was down in the dumps after that. But he's he's come back um, from that uh, mild adversity, and uh, I think they're looking really strong. I, I think that battle for second in the constructors has been super interesting all year because. You had uh, the Aston Martin team, obviously, in second for a, for a long while there. Um, and and they're, I guess they're still in the, technically they're in the hunt still, but I think we need to talk about Lance Stroll here because uh, he's really let down that team. Um, his performance this year, we've, we've spoken about it compared to uh, Fernando. Um, they've, I feel like they've lost out on second in the constructors, which is worth a huge amount of money to them. And it's largely as a result of Lance's, uh, you know, lack of performance. Well, Sean, I want to. Oh, we'll talk about Lance Stroll a little later because we're going to talk about him in uh, Drama Rumors Socials because there's a little bit going on in that world, and also with his father. And Sean, I know you'll be all over this, so we'll talk about that a little later on. Um, it's probably time, boys, that we get into track limits because I'm going to start to talk about one of the teams that we've already mentioned right now, and I'm, I'm intrigued to see what you think. So let's get into track limits. Track limits for temper, a mattress like no other. Proud sponsors of the Formula One on SEM. Okay, that was a third stroke on track limits. You've now been given the black and white flag. Is Cam inside or outside the track? All right, big shout-out to Jason Nicholas of Temper. He's only just coming down off cloud nine now as a Collingwood supporter. Sean, it doesn't mean anything to you, but our local football code <laughs> in Australia, one of them, he's a massive Collingwood fan, the, the managing director of, of Temper Australia and uh, New Zealand in this part of the world, and I, I think he's just coming down at the moment from his high slightly. Today's track limits are my inside or outside the lines. Remember, 1-300-736-736 or jump on the 40 Winks Temper text line 0433-981116. All right, you're both ready for this because it's about Mercedes and it's about George Russell. We saw Lewis Hamilton open up the wheel to feed basically and, and push George off track recently. If George Russell, who has just taken out the head-to-head against Lewis so far in qualifying trim, Sean, you'll tell us more about that in a minute, if he really wants to be taken seriously by this team, if he really wants to start to challenge for number one driver in that team and be a potential world champion, he needs to do a Nico Rosberg and he needs to give Lewis Hamilton some of his own medicine. And I think if Lewis tries to go around the outside of him, this is my track limits call, he should feed him a wheel. That means for those of you that are new to the sport, he should send him, send him to the fences. And I'll come back and talk more about that in a minute. I know I may be outside track limits and that's been a big bit there, but Carl, you've been a driver. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Lewis Hamilton saw off Alex Elbin in Red Bull when Alex Elbin a couple of times tried to go around the outside of him and just about killed his career. George Russell has to fight back and it starts tonight. Uh, that's a controversial one, and I, I actually don't know where I stand on it at the moment. I, I the first thing I, I ask is what is what is the risk of doing it, and I don't think he's really. I'm talking about George here. I don't think George has really solidified himself in that team. Lewis is still, whether they say it publicly or not, I think Lewis is the number one driver there. Um, 
but but George is the succession plan as well from uh, from Mercedes AMG. So the the interteam play is is critical. Like the, the one thing you always have to do is beat your teammate. That's the only person you're competing against in like for like equipment is your teammate. Um, yeah, we talk about yeah Sergio or Checo Perez at the moment. Yes, he's currently second in the world championship, but. Yeah, everyone's talking about his uh, his lack of performance. I mean, anyone else would be would be stoked to be second in the championship, but he's not performing against his teammate. George, uh, as you say, statistically, he's uh, he's outqualified Lewis throughout the year. Uh, I think he's earned his uh, I think he's earned his stripes. But but you're right. What happened at Suzuka? I remember watching that, thinking that that was a bit rude on Lewis's behalf. Um, does he? I think he needs to stand his ground. But but your where I draw the line is uh, is running into a teammate. And yes, we've yeah, seen it before. I, I get but that. I get I, that, Mister FIA. It's all the, about safety. I get it. And but I want yes, Sean's yeah, opinion. Yeah, yeah. Sean, Mister FIA is being all uh, safety, safety. I want Mister Statman's <laughs> opinion. Allow me to retort. I would say it is very important for George Russell to really put put the manners on Lewis Hamilton and get inside his head. And I think Hamilton had a really comfortable bed to lie in. Uh, no pun intended with our supporters of this uh, show. He had a really comfortable bed to lie in when Valtteri Bottas was his teammate. Several times, Hamilton would never come out and say, he's not a threat to me. But some of the, some of the times his, his, his quotes, you know, uh, uh, in the press conferences and so on, would uh, actually allude to the fact that he's no threat. I can beat him any day of the week. Uh, he couldn't do that with Nico. Nico used to get in his head. Nico could outpsych him. He was Nico's clever. You know, he's he's a slippery eel, and Lewis couldn't couldn't necessarily figure him out. Um, quite apart from the fact that he was also blindingly quick, and over the course of the time they were teammates, he outqualified him almost as much as Hamilton outqualified Rosberg. Well, Russell's in that situation right now, but right now Hamilton is only thirty three points. Uh, well, going into the weekend, short of Perez for second in the championship. Hamilton can actually be the runner-up in the World Championship this year. Russell's down in eighth. He made that terrible mistake in, in Singapore, but he's also had bad luck. Of course, he had the engine failure after he led the race in Australia. Uh, so he could be higher up in the championship. And I think that Hamilton and Russell, you know, I think in terms of actual outright pace, they're equitable. They're very, very similar. Obviously, Hamilton, uh, you know, has the legacy. You know, I'm not putting them. I'm not saying he, Russell's as great as Hamilton, but on pace he can be. And I think that there'll be an intra-team battle there that will get very interesting as that car gets quicker. And also, it will bear. It will be a mirror as what happens at McLaren because now they've got a winning car potentially. And I think Lando Norris is yeah. about to find out that life's not so comfortable when you've got a young teammate beating you when you've got a chance to win races and not just get the occasional podium. All right, you two, I want you to tell me, and we've got to call out Luke from Preston very shortly. We'll get to you, Luke, in two seconds. These boys, I'm putting them on the spot. Am I inside or outside track limits? When I say stand up to him, open up the wheel if he tries to go around the outside. Look, I'm going to say you're outside track limits, but for the specific reason that I think he should stand his ground, but you've got to draw the line. I think, I think Mercedes-AMG... At the, the tail end of the season, they need they need Lewis to finish second in the in the drivers' world championship. They need they want to they want to ruffle some feathers at Red Bull for next year. If if George fences Lewis with with six races remaining and it costs Lewis second in the world championship, the, the long term damage 
that's that's going to be done to that team, I think it's going to take a long time to repair, and it could affect them in 2024. So, I think yes, he needs to stand his ground, but they they want second in the constructors, they want to get second in the drivers. Uh, I think you've you've got to play the long game in George's uh, you know in George George's shoes. All right, Sean, inside or outside? Come on, real quick, because we've got to get to Luke from Preston. Uh, um, I, I think you're inside track limits. I think uh, Russell does need to play the team game. Obviously, Hamilton's in the chance of second, but he also needs to let Hamilton know he will not be pushed around. He is not going to be his lapdog, and he needs to know, okay, if you come, you come at me, I'm ready to fight back. All right, boys, let's get Luke from Preston on the line. He wants to talk about the race tonight. Luke, mate, talk to us. What do you need to know? What do you think? Well, first of all, I just wanted to say, um, in regards to inside-outside line with George, I, I, look, I've been a Formula One fan since I can remember, since 97, I, I started going to the Melbourne Grand Prix, and I'm 31 now. But um, as for the George Hamilton situation, the first thing I wanted to touch on is, uh, he's showing that little bit of maybe experience is still creeping in. So I don't think he's super headstrong at the moment. You've seen like what happened in Singapore. I feel like sometimes with Russell, when he's under pressure, he does still make those, those unforced errors, um, which is costing him. And, and that's why Hamilton is ahead of him at the moment in the championship. So I would be opening up the steering wheel a little bit and I would be putting the pressure on Lewis. But I also think at the moment, Lewis has been throwing the, the settings around a lot in practice. If you watch, especially the last few races, first practice, George has been killing him on the timesheets there. And that's because Lewis has been playing around with the settings a lot, trying to find that sweet spot, whereas George is really just trying to be ahead. Um, so I think that's going to be an interesting one next year when they do have a, you know, hopefully a more competitive car. But there's that fine line between going too hard on Lewis at the moment and, again, obviously Mercedes want to get as high as they can on the, on the Drivers' Championship there. Mate, I'm loving the insights. Thank you, uh, Luke. We'll dissect a little bit of that a little later on. But, mate, uh, tonight's race, you must have been happy with Oscar in the sprint. Um, what are your thoughts for tonight? Yeah, so watching the sprint last night, um, you know, I was honestly pretty surprised. I didn't think they'd have that race pace. But the, the, the mediums obviously lasted and, and the soft started to wear out towards the end of that sprint. I think, you know... Oscar probably would have been a little bit further ahead. And I also think Verstappen probably would have caught him if there wasn't those safety cars um, because the softs would have died out a lot sooner than what they did. But as for tonight, uh, again, it, it's going to be really difficult to see, you know, anyone really beating Max out on track. But all in all, it's good to see that McLaren have the pace, especially considering where they were at the start of the year. So it's making things interesting now towards the back end for the Constructors' title. Um, in terms of, you know, second, third, fourth, etc. But also, I just wanted to touch on the Lance Stroll Fernando situation as well. I'm telling you now, he will not be racing next year. And this was, I've got a podcast, uh, Formula One podcast, and I said it during the summer break. He's, he's clocked off, and he's really frustrated, and you can tell now with the rumours of his dad wanting to get out. You know, they've bought into this. His dad's really tried to finance the career here, but I think enough's enough and, and Lance will move on to possibly another category. I can't see him racing next year. And I reckon the hot seat would be Liam Mawson actually shifting to Aston Martin. Oh, mate, listen to this. I'm loving that. Now, before we let you go very quickly, am I inside? I said you, you heard you say a little bit open up the wheels slightly. Am I inside or outside track limits just before I let you go? 
Honestly, I'm an aggressive driver, so I'd be saying you're inside the lines. I think it's good to see a bit of that that squabble and battle. You don't want it to be too soft, but obviously, yeah, there's, there's got it. There's that fine line between punting him off and and just letting him know, look, I'm not going to let you pass. Like, no worries. Mate, you are a legend. Thank you for calling in. You are listening to Gridwalk. We're going to take a break. More of this, though, on the other side. Join the conversation. Text us on 0433-98-1116. You're listening to Gridwalk with Cam Van Den Dungan and Carl Reidler. On Gridwalk, it's the stewards' room. Thanks to Morris, bringing our personal approach to personal finance. Wow, awesome to have Morris on board for the stewards room. And we've also got one of the top brass from Motorsport Australia, Michael Smith, joining us on the line. Michael, mate, there's a bit to talk about. Track limits is something we talked about earlier with you. Uh, We've touched on it a little bit off the top of the show, but the tyres and the tyre situation that's coming up. Talk to us about what's going on, what the stewards are dealing with over in Doha at the moment. Yeah, thanks, Cam. Good to be back. Um, there's a bit going on, isn't there, in, in Qatar at the moment? And who would have thought, you know, a fast-flowing track that track limits would be an issue in Qatar? But, um, of course, it was always going to be an issue. And it's been an, an evolving issue over the weekend. It was quite um, controversially applied to Lando Norris and a few others during qualifying, which applied their grid position for the race. Uh, we've seen a lot of grid... Uh, sorry, a lot of uh, penalties handed out this weekend, Cam. And just to recap, we had 23 lap deletions in the sprint race, 31 lap deletions in sprint qualifying, and 22 lap deletions in qualifying, which sets the grid for the race. So it's been a huge issue this weekend. The flow-on effect has obviously been... Uh, there's been some issues with the tyres and the curbs as well. So uh, the officials in Doha have had a lot to deal with this weekend. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for that insight, Mike. I, um, my, I guess my contribution here, having driven the circuit uh, a bunch of times over the course of the weekend, it's it's been quite interesting. The layout of the circuit encourages, I think, this uh, this track limits issue. But they actually made some changes off the back of uh, all the uh, on track activity on Friday. Uh, they've actually narrowed the circuit. Uh, they've actually had to repaint the line. So the issue is that the curbs, I was actually with the, um, the Tilka guys who design uh, and, and build these circuits, they're actually, uh, the, the exit curbs are identical to the curbs at a, an Italian circuit uh, called Misano. They're 50 millimetres high, so they're quite high, really sharp edges, and naturally these drivers are trying to extract the most out of, uh, out of the cars, pushing the boundaries, but the second they end up on this serrated 50 mil high curb, it's just destroying the integrity of the tyre. So I don't think it's a, a question of the Pirelli tyre being up to the task at hand. It's just a super aggressive curb. So I think the FIA came up with a really good solution in narrowing the um, um, the circuit ever so slightly. The, the byproduct, though, unfortunately, of narrowing the circuit is that you end up with more track limits um, uh, issues, which is why we saw so many lap deletions and penalties uh, throughout throughout the race yesterday and obviously qualifying as well. So I'm just going to jump in really quickly, and I want to ask Michael specifically. Michael, you've also been a secretary of the meeting for many, many years, and that's the administrative head of the Australian Grand Prix, as well as your role at uh, Motorsport Australia. Can you give us a bit of an idea and insight as to what goes into the decision-making if they are going to mandate um, a number of stops in the race tonight? 
what is actually involved? Because it's not as simple as saying we're just going to stick that rule in. What, what happens behind the scenes? No, I mean, obviously Pirelli identified that there was an issue, as Carl pointed out earlier, they brought that to the attention of the FIA and clearly um, they believe that those curbs, particularly at turns uh, 12, 13 and 14, are causing or, or contributing to the tyre issues that they're having. I mean, obviously safety comes first in all of these things and so the I guess the FIA would have consulted with the track designers with the, the local officials and also Pirelli and they've come up with a solution as Carl indicated. I mean the car the curbs themselves are quite an aggressive curb as Carl uh, outlined and, and clearly they've been put there to discourage people from exceeding track limits. The byproduct of that I guess is that it's having a bit of an impact on the tyres themselves but I guess to answer your question Cam Safety comes first, and if it's necessary on the basis of safety to make some rule changes, which it seems they're going to do in terms of mandating the number of pit stops and the, the duration of the tyres that they can be used for throughout the race tomorrow morning, um, it's a safety issue. Rules get changed, and the race director would have issued that in, or will issue that in his race director notes prior to the race uh, starting in a couple of hours' time. So jumping in on the back of that, boys, thank you for that, Michael. I really appreciate it. Um, I don't know if you're aware of this. Sean, you need to be aware of this. But a little Australian driver, uh, I think I can hear some people chanting. Can, can anyone hear any chanting at the moment? What do we got? boys oscar piastri how good is it a melbourneian a winner in formula one michael you must be a very proud uh, motorsport chief there based in melbourne oh aren't we lucky i mean you know we, we we've had daniel ricardo performing so well for so long then prior to that mark weber and here we are we've got another superstar in the making with oscar piastri winning that sprint qualifier or that sprint race this morning i mean that was just an outstanding drive very mature uh, he managed those medium tyres very, very well. And what a great outcome for Australian motorsport. And the good news is, Cam, I reckon there's a few more coming through as well. Well, Carl, Sean, what do you reckon? Sean, uh, we're a little bit parochial, mate. You are going out on uh, radio in Australia and New Zealand. We've given Liam Lawson a massive pump up. And then Oscar's come out and said, what about me? Mate, Sean, are the numbers showing that this kid is something special? Without question. I mean, I was I was already sold on him uh, at the end of F2 when he took those. I, I was I was somewhat on the fence when he won the F3 title. I thought, OK, well, somebody, you know, usually the F3 title is won by a rookie. Um, then he moved up to F2 and he looked pretty good. But then uh, the last five rounds of the season, he was on pole position every time. And that was the point where I was like, all right, I've seen enough. Like the, he can't he's in a different league to this lot. You know, you've got to get him in an F1 car. Uh, and I understood um, what Zach Brown was doing when he thought, oh, no, I'm going to try so hard to get this guy in the seat that I'm literally going to pay my existing driver to not drive it, um, which seemed balmy to everybody else. Hmm. But from my perspective, I thought, yeah, I, 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 know, I know what we're talking about here. It was a bit like when Max Verstappen got in at Red Bull when he was 17. And people thought, are you sure about this? I mean, he seems terribly young. You know, why are you trying so hard to get him? Um, and look what happened there. And I think that that, dare, dare I say it, Zach Brown is thinking to himself, you know, Piastri could be that, uh, that figure 
that you know that he the next I actually tweeted about it last night it, is Verstappen Piastri the next great F1 rivalry now that he's got a car that shows how talented he is can he take the fight to Verstappen that could be the building narrative of the next 18 months of Grand Prix racing I, think I did see your message me, there oh sorry keep, keep going Carl you keep going Carl no, I was, I was just going to say, I mean, we know he's fast. He, we know he's able to win championships. Um, obviously, he's won F, F3 and then F2 back-to-back. Back. He's taken the year off. But what I was most impressed with last night is yeah, we, we keep talking about how cool, how cool Carmen collected he is, not to, to harp on about that. But he had Max Verstappen, um, who went on to be become the uh, three-time world champion off the back of the race yesterday, hot on his heels. And I listened to some of the radio communication and he was so calm. He was just managing the car, managing the tire, asking what the gap was. He managed the gap to make sure that he, um, you know, kept it out of DRS range. I think that was a critical thing last night. Um, he's just got so much capacity, so much bandwidth as a driver. He's able to drive on the absolute limit, produce a fast lap time. That's a very small piece of the equation, but. His ability to kind of manage the the big picture—that's what's impressing me most, and that's that's the type of stuff that you know. I I, I reckon he'll be a world champion at some stage. And one one further point so, is that he beat Logan Sargent in F3 at the last race of the season. But we've seen Piastri be able to handle the more powerful cars as he's moved up, and Sargent not so much. You know, that's that's the the big litmus test that Piastri is able to transition to these much more powerful cars. So we are on the stewards room with thanks to Morris bringing your personal approach to personal finance and we really enjoy having them on board. They've just joined us this week so thank you to the team from Morris. Um, But on the stewards room, Michael, I'm going to tie the stewards room to my track limits. I don't know if you were tuned in before and heard me beat me. You know me too well, Michael, to know that I don't mind a big call. Um, We're going to go back to uh, Suzuka. Carl mentioned it before and he said it was a bit cheeky of Lewis to open up that wheel and, and push George Russell wide. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm not. I'm going to ask you later whether you think I'm inside or outside the lines. I know you're always going to err on the side of safety, but you can tell me whether I'm right or wrong. But at the same time, when they have those inter-team battles or intra-team battles, and you see two drivers sort of almost run into each other, we never really see penalties for those teams. Why not, Michael? Why not? I, I don't think that's a deliberate thing, Cam. I think it's probably more a symptom of the internal team management rather than any penalties that the stewards might impose, to be honest. Um, as a steward, you, you have to deal with what comes before you without fear or favour. And, and really, regardless of whether they're teammates or not, any incident that's referred to the stewards to adjudicate on needs to be adjudicated on as the rule is written. Um, so my take on that, to be honest, is it's more a symptom of the way the team and the drive, the drive team manages the drivers, as opposed to there being any specific rule breach that the stewards need to make a decision on. All right, mate. Now before we let you go, we've got track sweepers as well. Let's just get into track sweepers very quickly. Now on Grimwalk, track sweeper. Mate, Michael, we had the Ferrari Drivers Academy, the FIA Ferrari Drivers Academy out in Malaysia. Your team were there. Any news for us? Did any of the Aussies get up? Look, I can't, I can't divulge that just yet, uh, Cam. We'll be making an announcement tomorrow morning, Australian time, as to who the successful drivers are and who, who will be going to the world final in Maranello in, in a couple of weeks' time. 
What I can say, though, is we had 24 of the best drivers in the region for our Ferrari Driver Academy selection camp in, in Sepang last weekend. I'll tell you what, and I inferred it before, but there's some really good young talent, not only in Australia, but in the region, both from New Zealand and, and broader Asia. I mean, we all know Asia is one of the fastest growing motorsport regions in the world, and it, I think it's now beginning to pay dividends. So we were really thrilled with what we saw in Sepang a couple of weeks ago. All right, Michael, very quickly, mate, two questions, and I want real succinct answers before we go to the ad break. One, are we going to be happy as a country in Australia when you make the announcement tomorrow? And two, um, am I inside or outside track limits? Look, I think you're outside track limits, Cam. I'll answer that first, but that's not uncommon for you. You're quite often outside track limits. <laughs> um, we'll, 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 all of Australia well played, will Mike. Well played. be held because... because because we'll get the right outcome. You'll have to tune into our website tomorrow morning to see who wins. But thanks for your time, guys. No worries, Michael Smith. Thank you very much, mate. And I knew he always tells me I'm outside track limits. But right now, we're going to take a break on Gridwalk. Join the conversation. Text us on 0433-98-1116. You're listening to Gridwalk with Cam Van Den Dungan and Carl Reindler. Now it's time for DRS. Drama, rumours, socials. Thanks to Sportsnet. Sportsnet holidays for money can't buy F1 experiences. How cool is it to have Sportsnet on board? Remember, if you want to get tickets to a Grand Prix anywhere in the world, jump onto sportsnetholidays.com forward slash gridwalk and grab yourself a package. You can buy anything because they are linked up with Formula One experiences and they can get you access wherever you want. Their big ticket items, though, are Australia next year and Singapore next year as well. In the meantime, drama, rumours, socials, Sean and Carl. This is pretty much the time of year when we make up all sorts of rumours. We see some starting to come out. We've got plenty of drama, and there's a lot going on on socials. Now, I just saw on socials a picture of you two sharing ear pods on this international uh, event. I think we've just tweeted that on the SEN Twitter account. Mate, well, how international is this? We're in Doha, we're in Los Angeles, we're in Perth and we're in Melbourne all at the same time putting on this show for everybody. The biggest drama, the biggest rumour, yep. I think, is Lance Stroll sitting there saying, we don't want another team in. And at the same time, sorry, Lawrence Stroll. And then at the same time, Lawrence Stroll is being rumoured to be getting out of the sport altogether. Which is it? Does he not want anyone else in or is he looking to sell or is it both? Well, I think Lawrence Stroll's got enough money that he need he can do more than one thing in the world. Um, but I do understand the the kerfuffle with wanting or not wanting an eleventh team. I understand they don't want to share the revenue, uh, and you know they, all these teams survived the wild west of Grand Prix racing when there was just unlimited spending, and other teams, you know, other people didn't want to come in. Um, and there was a talk, you know, it was only a few years ago, twenty uh, what twenty fourteen, we had eighteen cars on the grid. Um, you know, we were down to 18. So no one wanted to come in. Now there's a cost cap. Now you can make a little bit of money doing Grand Prix racing and not worrying about going bust or anything. So now the team's are like, okay, we've made it. Right, great. We're on an even keel. We're not going to go bust. Um, great. And now suddenly everybody wants in and they're thinking, oh yeah, we'll have a piece of that. Well, that's not really fair. I, I, I understand their reticence with that. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I understand Lawrence's point of view. Uh, on that particular issue and I'm sure Lawrence would be a fairly <laughs> I imagine anybody who disagrees with Lawrence is they're coming up a fairly fearsome adversary 
Nothing from you, Carlos. I was expecting you to jump in. He's sitting there worrying about <laughs> Lawrence Strolls, looking over the, looking over his shoulder, just checking his homework down there. Now, Carl, no, I'm going to then no, look, put you a bit more on the spot. I'm going to put you more on the spot on this one. I'm going to bring another part into this because the other part of this story, that, got, that actually there's a few things that tie in here, and we talked a lot about in our last uh, episode about manufacturers coming in. Since we had that chat, Andretti's gone through the FIA and is now in front of Liberty Media, but David Dicker, who heads up Roden and their bid, he's, he's not particularly happy because he felt he had a stronger bid. It's a really interesting place with Lawrence Stroll not wanting more in, Lawrence Stroll potentially selling, Dicker wanting in, and there's still, you know, even with Andretti, if he does pass all of the uh, all the hurdles from Liberty Media, there's still a, two more slots available. Yeah, look, there's there's 24 spots available on the grid. Uh, I think it's great that the FIA have supported uh, an, at least an 11th team with uh, with Andretti. Um, yeah, as you said, there's a few more hurdles to overcome before they uh, can commit to, to racing in Formula One. I personally, I think you need to be looking at it from an entertainment perspective, not you know, um, you know, get it, making making sure you've got a bigger piece of the pie. If the sport's entertaining um, and the sport is growing because it is entertaining, you're you're going to have more, you know, there's going to be more income derived from the sport. So, I, I think they should. Uh, uh, I don't know, they can't have their cake and eat it too. Uh, I, I, the other thing with that with Lawrence. I'd be disappointed if he did leave because I actually think he's done a really good job um, with Aston Martin. I think he's, yeah, what he's done is fantastic. They've been performing really well this season. Um, then there's obviously the uh, the controversy around Lance and, and whether, you know, we, we've, I think most people have seen the interview with, with uh, Lance on Friday night. Uh, yeah, it was pretty abrupt. Uh, he, was, he was quite rude about, um, uh, about his own performance and... Frankly, I think he's just checked out. Um, you know, he's he's being towed by his teammate. I, I don't know what they do there, but but as we discussed, I think a few weeks ago, Cam, it's still a business. The the race team is still a business. There's still a board of directors that um, they need to answer to, and it's a performance based business. Like it's it's high performance sport, and at the moment, the second driver is just right, not so just not performing. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting how it, it, it unfolds. You're hearing it here, everybody. Carl is saying Lance is out. He's checked out. That's on Carl Reinler. You can check him at carlreinler.com if you want to send him any other information. But, boys, as we start to wrap up the show, you're going to hear a bit of a Max Verstappen party. He is the world champion for the third time in a row. Can I get your final predictions, boys, for the race tonight? Sean, who you got? Uh, it's going to be Max by uh, 15 seconds. Uh, McLaren could have potentially beaten him today, but they shot themselves in the foot by having their lap times deleted. They're only sixth and tenth on the grid. All right, Carlos, what do you Max got? From, uh, Max from uh, Lewis for me. Max from Lewis. All right, boys, let's check out now. Let's listen to the Max Verstappen song as we go to the end of our show. Thank you for tuning in to Gridwalk with thanks to Bedpost. <laughs> 